The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. I invite you now to join us for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host is my friend and our host, Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. This is a conversation coming up today not to miss, Percy. Not to be missed, and we are going to talk to a powerful man of God who is serving his community, and he is serving cancer patients faithfully today. Our theme is Compassion Creates Hope. You believe that with all your heart. I absolutely do, because at the end of the day, I do not believe that you can be hopeful or have hope or demonstrate hope without the main ingredient and element of compassion. Compassion drives hopefulness at the end of the day. And so uh, to be able to facilitate uh, an environment and and, and stimulate uh, hopefulness, there has to be a compassion that goes along with that. Week after week, you bring such interesting people to the table here that we all learn from. Thank you for doing it the way you do it. Well, this is my friend. Uh, many of the people that we talk to, as you and I discuss, Wayne, are people that I know personally and that yeah, I, I know, know you re- do, yeah. and that I have relationship They're with. They're colleagues, aren't they? They're colleagues. And this particular individual uh, truly is that he is a friend. Uh, I love him dearly and I respect him highly uh, for the spirit of of God that's in him and and the uniqueness by which God uses him. And so we know each other. We've worked with each other very well and very closely. You're going to talk with Jeff Paperone. That is correct. And Jeff is a hospital chaplain in Phoenix, Arizona at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And his, uh, his insights are not to be missed. That's coming up in just a moment on our program here today. But thank you for listening. We have a resource that we want to share with you. It's called Emotional Needs of Cancer Patients, written by this guy, uh, mm. Percy McRae, is it? Yeah, I heard about that guy. <laughs> and I tell you, he's a, he's a busy fellow. Yeah, this resource is really designed to help us to understand that cancer patients uh, have emotional dynamics and struggles Uh, and needs that need to be addressed. And that can't always be prayed away or even ignored, but they do need to be attended to. So this document helps to highlight some of that and how we can be better partners in supporting individuals and their emotional needs. We've got a lot ahead of us today, but if you want to go online right now while you listen, please do that. HealthHopeAndInspiration.com and download this free resource, Emotional Needs of Cancer Patients. And we'll give you that website again later in the program. I'll do it right now. HealthHopeAndInspiration.com. Well, with hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, Cancer Treatment Centers of America takes an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by calling this number, 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. 
Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Remember, at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, spiritual support is provided as desired by the patient. But we're going to meet a very special man here in just a moment after you share some Bible verses with us. Well, let's open with our spiritual nugget and this scripture and this philosophical school of thought of theological scriptures mentioned within our conversation today, found in Matthew's gospel, the 25th chapter, verses 35 through 40, and it reads as follows. And this is uh, Christ, our Lord, speaking. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40 is our operative verse. And the king will say and will answer them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. There is our mandate of the day, Wayne, with regard to what and why we should act a certain way with regard to attending to the needs of people's mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual challenges within our community. Let's listen to and heed the Word of God. Thank you for sharing that, Percy. Well, recently in Phoenix, Arizona, you sat down to talk with today's guest. So let's go to that conversation right now. Man, oh man, am I excited. Today, I have my friend, my brother, uh, my colleague and my constituent, Reverend Jeff Paparone, who uh, is a six-year chaplain at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Phoenix, Arizona, Uh, someone who I've worked very close with, someone who I have a dear, dear respect for. Man, welcome to the show today. I appreciate you, Pastor Percy. Thank you. It's good to be here. Listen, man, uh, I've circled through, I guess, the facility now a couple of times, and we kept missing you. You were on vacation one yes, year. Sir. You took the RV across country and with your family, and we missed you on that occasion, but I got you this time. And so we're going to talk about chaplaincy and cancer and faith and all that you do. Uh, you're a high-energy guy. Uh, you're spirited, uh, and you bring a passion to the conversation of, of, of spiritual support and cancer, unlike anybody that I've ever worked with. And I want to try to capture that and get to hear, uh, let people hear you today and hear your passion. First and foremost, how did you get started in chaplaincy? That's a good question. It wasn't my plan. Hmm. It was not my plan. I believe it was God's plan. Okay. I, uh, I was trained as a pastor. Yeah. Did that for five years. Hmm. And uh, as that transitioned, we uh, start. my wife and I planted a church, and we had to find some part-time work. Well, I found a full-time job as a hospice chaplain. Okay. And so I did that for six years. And uh, that planted kind of in my heart something that the church didn't. And there's nothing wrong with the church, right. but that compassion ministry. Yeah. To where you meet people right where they're at. It's what I call rubber meets the road ministry. Right. But it's meeting people where they're at, where they're hurting, and that's what Jesus did. Right. And right. so I had a friend that worked here at CTCA Phoenix, and she said, Jeff, you need, you need to leave hospice, and you need to come here and work with me. Wow. And so I interviewed, and about, uh, oh gosh, nine months later, de- December 10th of 2012, I was hired. I, I love you. I've, I've worked closely with you. We talk all the time. I did not know that backdrop of your yeah. story. Yeah. And now I know why I love you so much. <laughs> because it's very similar 
to how I got to CTCA 23 years ago. So that's, you know, but the show is not about me. That being said, let's talk about chaplaincy. Let's talk about the work of chaplaincy. Clearly, uh, you get it. You understand it. There are still some in the marketplace who still struggle with the dynamic of spirituality and faith, medicine and science, how those two worlds merge together. I've talked about it a million times on the show. I've interviewed several doctors and and different individuals to to try to wrap our arms around it. Give me your thoughts around the role and the importance of having spiritual support in a healthcare clinical environment and why is that so important? Yeah, I have a philosophy it kind of goes this way. Okay. If we send every patient out of these doors and they're healed physically, I think we would all praise God for that, right? Absolutely. We would. Absolutely. However, a week later, a month later, a year later, they still may be hurting mm. as far as relationally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And if we've done nothing to serve them in that manner, and that could be counseling, that could be prayer, that could be... Uh, yeah, a myriad of things. Sure. But if we leave those parts of their character, their personality, their personhood, if we don't attend to those, then it's what I call malpractice. Hmm. I mean, we know what medical malpractice is, and it's usually related to what? Doctors, maybe, or nurses not doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. Okay. But we never talk about spirituality in that respect. If we don't attend to a patient's spiritual side of who they are, then we've committed malpractice. And so, so if they leave healthy physically and they're still hurting spiritually, we've we've not done our work. Okay, so let me play, uh, let's play this game. Let's kick this can around a little all bit. Right. Are you suggesting, and I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth at all, yeah. and I know you well enough, if I put some words in your I'll mouth, you'll you. spit them out. <laughs> and you'll put the right words back in there. Are you suggesting that potentially ministry that happens within the four walls of the local church that doesn't have a healthcare focus or emphasis or even understanding or sensitivity um, in some ways is spiritual malpractice, though we may have the divine movement of God mm-hmm. in our healing services or in our worship services. And we certainly believe in that. I know what yeah. your spiritual orientation yeah. is. Yeah. We believe in the divine of God. There is no question about right. that. But we also know that everybody doesn't receive, quote unquote, a divine healing of God with regard to sickness and disease. Yeah. So if we're not able to address all of the other elements right. of the personage, as yeah. you said, I love that language of of individuals from a healthcare perspective, I'm not going to use your language. Mm-hmm. You call that spiritual malpractice. Mm-hmm. And I think churches do that because it's not that they don't care. It's that they're not trained. They don't know how. They don't know how. Okay. So with that, see, because it sets the stage for, and again, I've, I've told my story, you know, when I started out in this business 23 mm-hmm. years ago, you know, I was laughed at, I was scoffed at, you know, I had... I had friends and colleagues in in parish-based ministries that told me, we don't even really consider you a legitimate pastor. You're not really in the ministry. I was told, Jeff, when you want to come back to the ministry, let us know. And, I about vomited. Yeah, it's it, it was it was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, because as you well know, and, and for individuals who may be listening to the show, there's a fraternity of of yeah. when you're in the ministry. There's a, you know there's kind yeah. of a I don't want to use the word boys club, but there's yeah. a club. Yeah, you know, and and you're either in the club or you're out the club. 
And 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 there are those who will let you know if you're in the club or if you're out the club. And I was reminded, quite frankly, by quite a few people, you're not really quite in the club because you you do the you're a chaplain, you do yeah. healthcare ministry. That's not really our deal. What I'm hearing you say today, and I don't think I've ever articulated it this way myself, nor have I ever heard anyone say it this way. We really have misunderstood the dynamic and the importance of having that type of ministry in a healthcare environment because of dealing with the yeah. whole personage of an individual. Right. Yeah. Our church that I go to, it's a Nazarene church. Fantastic people. We did a training, and I know we're going to get to, but we trained 16, actually 17 individuals, one moved away. So we have 16 individuals who are trained at our church. And here's the thing. They did not want to call it a cancer care ministry. Interesting. I'm telling you, they said, no, 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 Jeff, we don't want to call it that. I said, what do you want to call it then? They said, let's call it a healthcare ministry, because the principles that we learn within that program are principles that we can teach, are principles that we can use, whether if it's cancer or Parkinson's okay. or simply old age. Okay. So with that... I'm interested. How did you feel about that? What was your reaction to the, the, the emphasis of going from cancer care ministry to health care ministry? Or am I putting you on the spot? No, okay. no, you're good. Okay. I pushed back. Okay. Now, I don't know if I verbally pushed back, <laughs> but I pushed back because I believe in the program. Again, we're going to go there, I yeah, assume. Yeah. I pushed back because, I mean, cancer care, cancer care, that's what I live and breathe. That's what you do. But these volunteers at the church, they opened up my eyes. And probably more importantly, they opened up my heart is that, again, people suffer, whether the name of that suffering is cancer or Parkinson's or, like I said, it doesn't okay. matter. Okay. There are practical ways that you can meet their needs. Right. And when the church is trained, is it Matthew 25? Yep. Correct me if I'm that right. That is correct. Matthew 25, if you're sick, what, what do you do? You serve them. Yep. If you are, if you are hungry, you feed, feed them. them. If you are thirsty, you give them something to drink. Correct. It's practical, it's easy, and it's simple. Being the church doesn't have to be Difficult. Being in the church, you don't need a master's degree. Mm. You just have to have a heart that's willing to serve. Wow. Well, because, you know, we live in the day and age yeah. today that everybody's a bishop and an apostle. Right. Everybody's got a PhD in ministry today. And again, I'm not, I, uh, I'll, I'll tell on myself a little bit. I received, a, you know, uh, I get responses from people who listen to the show. And I had a gentleman who uh, reached out to me, said, well, it sounds like you're kind of, you kind of, you know, poking fun a little bit at the guys on TV, and I'm not poking fun mm-hmm. at anyone. Uh, I have, I have no axe to grind. Yeah. So I want to be very clear. I will, I do, and will tell the truth from the perspective as I understand it. And the fact of the matter is, I want to tie into the last point that you made. That at the end of the day, we've kind of complicated what we've called church ministry with titles and names and distinctions. Yeah. That at the end of the day, in some cases, not all cases. Have we lost the essence and the heart of what church ministry was designed to be? And I think one of them, and which gives us a segue into this conversation, is having focus around healthcare-related issues and ministry inside of our local churches. That has taken us quite a while to get to a place yeah. that the local church has owned and said, you know, we really don't do a really good job in this arena. Or going back to your original point. We haven't focused on the personage of an individual yeah. from a healthcare perspective yeah. because we were so focused on just we're going to just spiritually, you know, uh, provide ministry. But there are other yeah. dynamics yeah. to the human being that has to be incorporated into that spiritual ministry. So 
Our Journey of Hope. We talk about it all the time on the show here. Uh, we've interviewed several people uh, who have graduated from the program. Uh, you have had the unique distinction that you are one of the you are one of our original Our Journey of Hope facilitators. Right. Uh, currently uh, at your regional site in Phoenix. Uh, we're working on getting that program back online yes. and operational, and we're working through those uh, um, dynamics. Um, one of the your graduates that we have had on the show, uh, Jeannie and George Stewart. Love them. Uh, they have a healthcare ministry in Hawaii, and uh, they've talked about the dynamics of what they do. Why? Why did you feel so compelled and still energized around our journey of hope? And what does that mean to you from from the vantage point from where you sit? I think it goes back to my original comment of committing malpractice if we don't treat the whole person, mm -hmm. mind, body, and spirit. Mm. Um, our journey of hope, in my opinion, is an easy sell. One, it's not a program that we have to sell because I think the material, yep. the practicality of the material yep. is an easy sell. But again, when you see somebody who, for example, people in my church who have health care issues— namely cancer as well. As in most and, in all churches, right, quite absolutely, frankly. So right. let's be clear, not just your church Absol right, and absolutely. not just the Nazarene church either. Nope, nope, Catholic, you name it. Every, Every church, people are going to suffer. Yep. People have cancer. Yep. When you can meet them at their front doorstep where they're hurting and help them in a practical manner, for example, uh, food or uh, doing laundry or giving their caregiver a break so their care caregiver can go play a round of golf sure. and you sit with the patient and read a book or just allow them to sleep, yeah. whatever that might be. Right. Practical matters make a difference. We don't have to we don't have to have a PhD. Yeah. We don't have to be a king. We don't have to have a billion dollars. Right. We don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat. We can be a person of God, a child of God, and meet their needs. Yeah. yeah. It's not rocket science. Right. It really isn't. And, and the beauty of our journey of hope is exactly that. The, the, the vision that God dropped in my heart, what, I don't know, 18 years ago yeah. now, 15 years ago, I've lost track now. I'm, I've become a casualty of time. I tell people all the time I started out with a full head of black hair, and then I had a nice uh, set of hair, but then it got a little lighter, and now I have no hair. And so that kind of gives you the progression of, of my years in, 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 in this, that basically you are exactly correct that for some reason, the local church just missed the practical aspect of what yeah. can be done. We were so focused on so many other things, we just missed the ball here. And now our journey of hope is here. And we currently have over 1,300 churches who have been trained and have established cancer care ministries around the world and in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And we're growing that community by leaps and bounds. The Our Journey of Hope Leaders Network is now over 28,000 members strong. Uh, these are Christian leaders that receive receive a monthly communication and information about health care and cancer care ministry. For you, as we continue to move forward, what what do you believe is the next thing, if you will, that we can say or do uh, from a health care focused perspective within the local church? What are your thoughts about that? I know that you, you're a dreamer. You have thoughts. You yeah. and I, we kick a lot of things around. What would you like to see happen that is not currently happening in general that you believe that God would, would, would bless the idea of from a healthcare yeah. ministry perspective in local churches? I've got several thoughts, but I think the main thought that I have is that we need to give our people 
permission mm. that although they might have a disease, whatever the name is, but that that situation may not be okay. Okay. But that it is okay to have your emotions. It is okay to cry. Ah. It is okay. How about this? It is okay to yell at God. I've had people tell me, Jeff, I can't yell at God. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Open Job. Open the book of Job. Absolutely. Right? I think if we can, and I don't know how you do it, but that's why you put a bunch of heads together. Yeah. But if we can, if we can start a, uh, a paradigm shift of allowing, especially men, of allowing people to, whatever emotions they have, yeah. to encourage them to use them. I think we'd see a lot of sickness, maybe not healed or cured, but I think we'd have a lot more people who are more healthy even within their sickness. Wow. Does that make sense? Wow. We don't give people permission. Oh, you can't cry. You got to be strong. I hear patients every day, Jeff, I got to be strong for my loved ones. Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the Bible say? It's in, it's in our weakness that God makes us stronger, that that's, he's the strongest. That's exactly right. It's an interesting school of thought, Reverend. And again, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm digesting that even as we speak. And, and to regurgitate that is going to require some time for me to really let that marinate. But I think that there's something to be certainly said about that because here's what I do know, uh, and particularly with regard to the, the, the spiritual orientation and background that I come yeah. from, which uh, has a Pentecostal word of faith component to it. Yeah. Everything, the scorecard is all measured around, did you get healed or did you not get healed? Right. And, 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 we, and unfortunately, we have scored you know, that, well, you won or you lost if you got healed or if you didn't get healed. But there is something in between yeah. that that I think that I'm hearing you say that there is something that we need to really seek the Lord on and begin to see how can we empower the local church to begin to work that dynamic. And I think that that in between, if you will, that's compassion. Yeah. It's it's the ability, you know, what's the root of that word? Compassion, right? To yeah. suffer with. Yeah, yeah. Why are we so afraid to suffer with our people? Mm. It's a good question. It's I, a fair yeah, question. And I don't have an answer. You know? It's 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 fair on so many levels, even with regard to our spiritual leadership. We we've done a show uh that people can archive of what happens when the pastor gets cancer. And we yeah. and we've tried to kind of go down the road of what is the response of the congregants, but more importantly, how does the spiritual leader try to protect or hide, or or not publicly show, right. because again, it's it's all around this facade of this imagery, yep. and the fact of the matter is, as you have so theologically and accurately pointed out, the Word of God talks a lot about suffering, mm -hmm. and talks about the dynamic of God's faithfulness in the midst of suffering, yeah. and that even Christ himself suffered yeah. in one of his most dire hours, and experienced the greatest glory ever in his Same. ministry. So there's something to be said because we're trying to avoid this human dynamic of suffering and we're trying to move it off to the side instead yeah. of embracing it right. and working through it and allowing yeah. God's glory and grace to shine in the in the midst of it. I have one more philosophy, if I may say. We Please. talked about that before. Yeah. Is that in six years of being here at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, I've seen more joy, much more joy than sorrow. Wow. And I had people all the time say, Jeff, how do you do your job? How do you do it yeah. every day? Yeah. Because I see more joy than sorrow. People's perspectives change. What was important, homes, uh, wallets, your portfolio, seems to change because you can't take any of that, that stuff with you. Yeah. 
right? And so when you have that heart of compassion, going back to that, I'm telling you, you see people change physically, maybe not so. And I tell patients every day, I'm not going to lie to you. I want you healed physically. Absolutely. However, what happens if you get a spiritual healing? Mm. What, what happens if you get an emotional healing to where maybe uh, a relational healing yeah, yeah, where you've not had uh, a conversation with a spouse yeah. or with a child for 10 years, 20 years, and you see that healed? You see this terrible monster of cancer be actually tamed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so the big C in these people's lives become Christ. Yep. Rather than cancer, yeah, no. it's amazing. You're, you're. That's why I love it. You're right on point, Reverend. This is Reverend, um, my friend, my brother, who I love. I love this man. If I'm in Uncles. a back alley in a knife fight, I want this man to be standing right with me because I know that he's gonna give it all that he has. And I'm five six. I know with the love and compassion, <laughs> but man, it, spiritually, you six feet four, brother, and I'm taking you with me anywhere there's a fight, uh, because there's something to be said about having a fighting spirit. Uh, this is Reverend Jeff Paparone, who is uh, a six-year chaplain at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, what is the one thing, what is one thing that gives you hope personally? And we don't want a textbook answer. What's yeah. one thing? Because I'm sure I know you are a family man. You got your kids and your wife. What's one thing that gives you hope, that drives you on a daily basis, my friend? I got about 27 answers, but I'll give you one. Mm-hmm thinking of a dear friend of mine um she said when she walked through the door she was defeated she was she was wrecked when she walked through the door she felt god's presence Mm. and she felt the hope of god basically instill in her body yeah and she lived another five years past that when she was told a few months so what gives me hope is when i see patients who have been given no hope and i've got the opportunity to share, it could be a nugget of wisdom that that maybe you know you yourself have shared with me. That that Pastor Chip yeah. from Atlanta has shared with me. That yeah. patients that my dad, my mom, yeah. siblings have shared with me. That I can give that nugget of of wisdom or of hope, and you see them walk out of your office ten minutes later after a brief meeting, and ten minutes before they're a wreck, and ten minutes later, they are a new person. Yeah. It's almost kind of like that new birth. Yep, they're a new person. Yeah, because hope is real. Yeah. It's not a facade. Yeah. And it's not fake. Because I've seen it. I've seen people come in in wheelchairs and walk out a month later restored, sometimes physically, many times emotionally, spiritually, relationally, mentally. I stand behind every word That's that you've said. I've seen it myself. I've been part of that and I know that, yeah. that I is know absolute, some of your stories, yeah. I, and I know that it's absolutely true. Today, my friend, I want to tell you thank you for reminding us of the benefit of suffering. I know it's not that's not a popular message. No. That's probably not gonna be on the DVD hit list, but at the end of the day, there is a value and a benefit from a spiritual perspective of suffering with the grace of God. Today, you have heard from my friend, my brother, my compadre, uh, my cohort, my colleague, Reverend Jeff Paparone, chaplain, CTCA, Phoenix. Love you, my friend. Keep Love on keeping on. And uh, anything I can do for you, you let me know, okay? Keep on being real. All right, take care. Thank you.
We'll talk more about what we just heard with Percy McRae in just a moment here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have. Just call 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE, how appropriate, 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, Percy, again, thanks for bringing our guest to us here today. I want to be just like Jeff when I grow up. You know what? I want to be with Jeff, that's for sure. I tell him all the time, uh, you know, he's he's this little short, feisty Italian guy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I've missed him on a couple of occasions when we've gone to the Phoenix, Arizona Hospital uh, to sit down and chat. And I told him, the next time I come there, you're going to get on the show. And so uh, he was more than willing and 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 gracious to uh, share his time as he's very busy, obviously, seeing patients. Uh, but he's a man of faith and power, but he's very yeah. balanced and he's very grounded. Well, he speaks in no uncertain terms. How about that phrase, spiritual malpractice? Huh? Well, I, it was, and as I shared in the interview, I had never really uh, heard that expression or thought of in those terms. The philosophical idea of, you know, in many cases, we may have experienced great spiritual uh, divine moves of God. And I know that that we talk about that so much now, uh, having a move of God and God moved in our service and and divine things miraculously happens and and, and has happened. And I believe in that. I've experienced that. I've seen it. And I've also been able to facilitate that on some level in some cases. But the bigger point that he was making, and because we, we've we had the privilege and the opportunity to serve patients who are out of strong faith-based organizations and congregations who in many cases there are other real practical needs of theirs that just never have been attended to, mm-hmm. never have been spoken or addressed because we were so busy looking at the supernatural divine move right. of God. We, we missed we, it. We overlooked certain other yeah. things that was actually going on with them, and we didn't really put a lot of merit to it. That's the other piece of it, Wayne. Yeah. We didn't place a lot of importance to that because it wasn't, quote-unquote, spectacular. Well, I was convicted today when I heard Jeff say that why he asked the question, why are we afraid to suffer with people. Yeah, it's 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 a powerful school of thought. You know, we have reference, we have biblical reference of Jesus weeping and lamenting, you know, in certain scenarios where he expressed and showed his humanity of of clearly being emotionally upset or or uh, uh, indifferent about what was going on with him, what was, you know, Lazarus as an example said he wept openly. Mm-hmm. So again, we we in many cases I think the idea a very powerful and spiritual uh, moves of God, and we have great faith warriors and leaders in our camp, and you know our our pastor and our prophet and our apostle, and I love and support all of the fivefold ministry gifts. At the end of the day, they're human beings, just right. like everyone else, and they have moments of frailty and humanity. 
and it would not hurt or harm the congregation or as uh, members of our spiritual congregations that we would show and hurt with our people and, and, and experience that and share that. Because at the end of the day, that's the common denominator that we have with each other, that we're all humans trying to regain a sense of spiritual balance and equilibrium. And we only receive that through the grace of God. So yeah. it's not because of any other reason. Well, you both talked about healing isn't limited to just the physical. It's, it's emotional and it's spiritual as well. And I was so impressed when he said that he has encountered more joy than sorrow in his time as a hospital chaplain. Well, and the other component and category that you you left out, but it wasn't intentional, is relational. And I'll give a very quick okay. example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I may have shared this story on the show here before. A former patient that I supported many years was part of a uh, a, a very popular motorcycle gang that has been, uh, you know, highlighted on TV and movies. We know who you're talking and about. And depicted and so on and so forth, who, uh, you know, uh, had cancer, came and treated at our facility, started coming to our worship services, looked the part, sounded the part, acted the part. And and believe it or not, had a spiritual moment in our worship service and basically gave his life to God and began to start sharing some of the things that he had done and and ways that he had misbehaved and so on and so forth. And I want to say as a disclaimer, everyone that's part of a quote unquote motorcycle association are not necessarily misbehaving. But in his particular experience, he he attached all of that to a lifestyle that he lived. And in the midst of all of the years uh, of living uh, a certain lifestyle that certainly didn't glorify God from his perspective, that he was disengaged from his three children, three sons. And one of the things that he desperately desired is that he wanted to reconnect with his three sons. And he said that his prayer was more than wanting to be healed of his cancer, is that he wanted to be reunited with his three children over a period of time, that he began reaching out to them and asking us to pray that my children will respond. It's been a, a long time. And over a period of time, two of the three sons did. One of the sons was very resistant. Finally, that third son did uh, receive him, forgave him, reunited with him. And shortly thereafter, that patient died. Hmm. Now, how do we score? <laughs> how do we score that? You know, if, if for the baseball yeah. fans out there, how are we going to score that in it? Well, there was healing there, wasn't there? There was It was healing. relational. And that's the bigger point that we're talking about. And in some cases, do we overlook or not understand some of the nuanced dynamics of healing that may take place outside of a physical manifestation of healing with regard to cancer and sickness and disease? Do we understand that? Do we recognize that? And are we helping to facilitate that? God was in the midst of that situation and healing took place. Well, Jeff, if you're listening here, thank you for challenging us and prompting us into action. Love you, my brother. Love (laughs) you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we have a resource called Emotional Needs of Cancer Patients. You can download that right now. It's a perfect follow-up to our conversation here today. It's found at healthhopeandinspiration.com. And Percy, you and Jeff talked about uh, churches and churches' roles as well. We have the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network available. If you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join this growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Mm -hmm. It's free to join. When you sign up, you'll receive access to exclusive online leaders' resources. There's information about ministry training opportunities and our monthly informative email newsletter. So visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page and sign up for the Ministry Leaders Network, Our Journey of Hope. Percy, uh, Matthew 25, uh, 
to put it in context after the discussion today is so helpful. It now comes alive in our spirit. So let's reread it again for the very first time. Matthew 25, 35 through 40. For I was hungry, said Jesus, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Because we're always looking for a manifestation of God. (laughs) Well, I'm looking to serve you somewhere, Lord. Listen Mm -hmm. to how the Lord reacts to this. Then the righteous will answer him, "Uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and and visited you? And the king will say, thank God for the king who gives us wisdom and gives us direction will say and answer to them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Uh, My last word of today is let's not commit spiritual malpractice, Mm -hmm. looking for the supernatural all the time. And we miss the natural movement of God and how he heals in various different ways, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And of course, we're looking for that physical manifestation as well. That's our host, Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. Don't forget, download Emotional Needs of Cancer Patients. Go to the website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, and click on the subscribe button to this podcast. If you're an occasional listener, become a regular listener by subscribing at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Love you to life and not to death. Keep chopping the wood. We've got work to do. Thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.